Lord, this morning, we pray and ask that you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son, Jesus. And that we would know nothing except Christ and him crucified. We give you praise and we thank you for an awesome time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated in heavenly places. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're going to have a glorious time this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Glory, glory, glory. glory. All right, turn to someone, tell the person you're looking awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I love the first song you did. It was so beautiful. I think you're going to do it again when we are done. You guys are doing awesome. Hallelujah. All right, you ready for the work? Mm. I think I should be bringing a cane to service to remind you. You ready for the word? I'm just kidding. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so get your diaries, your notebooks, your Bibles ready. You're going to go into the Word. Praise God. So, we've been teaching on Christ, the riches of our eternal. Uh-uh. Christ, the riches of our eternal. Forgiveness. Now, the more and more we teach, the more you get to know how eternally forgiving you are. Isn't it beautiful? There are so many teachings that people have on forgiveness that is completely inconsistent with scriptures, especially in the light of the New Testament. The reason why we always teach this is because the church has misplaced the balance or the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. So like I always say, we have New Testament believers who are living uh, with Old Covenant or Old Testament mentality. We have new creations who still have old creation mentality. It's a big problem. The Bible has told us what we should focus our minds and spiritual intelligence on. In Colossians chapter 3, the verse 1, it tells us something beautiful. He says, if then, the word if also means since. So since then, um, since ye then be raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Now look at the next verse. First of all, he said, seek those things which are above. So now he's going to explain what it means to seek those things which are above. Now look at how he says you should seek those things which are above. He says, set your affection. Now the word affection means your mind. Set your affection on things above and not on things under. Now what are things above? Don't think of sky. The word above means that which is not earthly. So the Christian thinking should be infiltrated with heavenly realities. That is what he's saying. How? Look at the verse 1. The verse 1 says, Since then ye be risen with Christ. So who, who is the focus of the heaven? Christ. So he's telling us Christ is seated. Now if Christ is seated, that means he has died. He has been buried. He has been raised. So what is the focus? The finished work of Christ and his current work in the life of the believer. So now he says, if you then be risen with Christ. Now, if the Bible says you are risen with Christ, what is he telling you? You also died. You are also buried and you are also raised.
Christ. So who are you in Christ now? Who Christ is. So he's saying, if then ye be risen. So this is giving you a new reality about yourself. You have been raised with new life. So he says, seek those things which are above. Now, if he says Christ is raised, and he says seek those things which are above, what is he telling you? Let your focus be on Christ. Because when you see Christ, you see you. Are you seeing this? So now he explains in the next verse. He says, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. So what is the meaning of above? Heavenly realities of our position in Christ. So he says, set your affection. In other words, set your focus, your mindset on things above. What are things above? Where Christ seated. What are things above? Throne room realities. What are things above? Heavenly realities. So the heavenly, uh, the things above there is not talking about the streets of gold in heaven. The things above are realities that are not of this earth realm. So your affection should be on heavenly realities. I'm born again. So when, you see, when your focus is more on money than redemption, you are not setting your mind on things above. If your affection is on getting a job above knowing who you are in Christ, you are not setting your affection on things above. The Christian has been given a mindset. You cannot think how you want to think. You cannot think like the people of this world. We are to set our minds on throne room realities. This is how we govern our, our life. So what the world sees, we don't see. You know why? Because we are seated. And that is what we set our affection on. Thank you, Jesus. Tell someone, I'm eternally forgiven. So we've been teaching on Christ the riches of eternal forgiveness. And we got to see two main problems uh, that affected man in the fall. Man became sin. And because he became sin, he all sinned. So the problem of man was that he was a sinner. And because he was a sinner, he was going to sin. So the solution was to deal with sin and deal with sins. Sin is who man is. Sins is what man does. So we said the, the solution was that Jesus came to deal with who man is. Sin. And deal with what man does. What? Sins. So the cross dealt with two things mainly. Who man is sin? What man does? Sins. Who man is could not have been dealt with the blood of Jesus. Who man is was sin. He has to die. What man does had to be dealt with his blood. So we said Jesus became sin to terminate the old man that was corrupted by sin. And Jesus bore our sins so that he could forgive our sins. So now we said Jesus on the cross dealt with the sin problem in twofold realities. He set us free from sin and he forgave our sins. To sin as a nature, we were set free from sin. To sin as a conduct, we were forgiven of our sins. So man needed freedom from sins or deliverance from sin and then what? forgiveness of sins now if you catch if you catch this you are good to go today the understanding of deliverance has been misplaced in the body of christ 
Listen, the Christian in himself does not necessarily need deliverance. Because he has been delivered. Listen, listen. When Jesus Christ was on earth, okay, did Jesus find a problem casting out devils? Do you know when he came to casting out devils, he said, out! The demon went. When there was a devil in someone, the only thing Jesus had to say was, out! That was all. When he came to sin, he could not say, out! He had to die. Telling you, <laughs> sin possession is more serious than demon possession. So to be set free for, from sin is real deliverance. You didn't get what I'm saying. For him to cast demon, he said out. For him to cast sin, he died. To an extent that before he died, he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cow pass. When he came to sin. So when a man is freed from sin, when he believes Christ, that is true deliverance. Praise God. So Colossians 1.13 says, who has delivered? Who has delivered? Who has delivered? Who has what? Delivered. You see, that is why you need to keep your attention on New Testament realities before you can understand Old Testament stories. He says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? What is the meaning of translation? Salvation. Salvation is a translation. So the believer has experienced deliverance when he believes Jesus. What people call deliverance today is actually casting out devils. There is a difference between casting out devils and deliverance. Deliverance has got to do with sin. Casting out devils has got to do with demons in a man's body. Are you following what I'm saying? In fact, the reason why Christians don't actually need deliverance is because the Bible gave us the authority to cast out devils. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast it out. They will do it. So, it's your responsibility. So, how can someone be doing your job for you? <laughs> In my name, you, these signs shall follow them that believe. So, it's a sign that follows believers. Glory. So, we're looking at, there are seven things I always want you to remember before we, we continue with our teaching. Seven things that was done to our sins. We said, number one, Jesus did what? He did what? He forgave our sins. Please don't, don't forget. To, he did what? Forgave our sins. Forgiveness is always used as past tense in the New Testament. We've given you several teachings, several scriptures on it. So, if if you are hearing us for the first time, today is your part one. It's our part nine. That means you will not understand what we are saying. But at least we will help you out. But go and get our teaching to be established in the truth. Praise God. We said Jesus forgave our sins, past, present, future. In 1 John chapter 2, the verse 12, he says, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven for your confession's sake, right? For what? 
His name sake. What is name? What is name? What is name? What is name? Reputation. Telling you what he accomplished. That is that is Jesus' CV. That is his reputation. So when the Bible talks of name, don't just think about Jesus just mentioning it. No, he's talking about his entire reputation in his finished work. So he's saying, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven for his reputation, his finished work's sake. Colossians 2.13. And look at this for yourself. We keep repeating it because repetition is the key to understanding. Look, he says, and you being dead in your sins and the, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you what? All. Now, he's using circumcision and even baptism to explain forgiveness of sins. Can you imagine? Now, look at the verse 11. Thank you, Jesus. He says, in whom also ye are circumcised. Now, you should know not all Christians are physically circumcised. There are people all over the world who are not circumcised physically, but they are born again. So what circumcision is he talking about? Now, hold on. What in a physical circumcision, what is used for circumcision physically? Knife with a hand. Now, he's telling you in whom? Telling you this reality is in who? Christ. In whom ye are what? Circumcised. What is circumcision? Cutting off of the flesh. He says, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Look. What circumcision is that? In the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He's telling you the circumcision that was a command in the Old Testament was only a shadow of true circumcision in Christ. When a man believes in Christ, in the Old Testament, when they are circumcised physically, their foreskin, flesh, is taken off. He's telling us our spiritual circumcision is Christ cutting off our flesh, the old man from us. You got this? How? By the circumcision of Christ. So there is circumcision of hands and circumcision of Christ. What is circumcision of Christ? The putting away of the body of the sins of the flesh. Look at the next verse. Now we says buried with him in baptism. Wherein also he arisen with him through what? The faith. Through the faith of the. He's telling you physical baptism does not save. Physical baptism is the operation of man. Hmm. Water baptism is an operation of man because a man who puts you in the water. But beyond water baptism is a real spirit baptism. That baptism is baptism into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So he's saying through the operation of God. So the baptism we have is God's operation. He performed it. How? Who had raised him from the dead? Telling us the death of Jesus was, was baptism. And when Christ died, because we were in him, we died. We were also baptized. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were quickened together, made alive, and raised together with Christ. Now look at the next verse. He says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So a man that is not born again can be physically circumcised but spiritually uncircumcised. 
He says, and you being dead in your sins, how did he explain death to sin? The word end is that is. So he's saying, and you being dead in your sins, what is the explanation? That is the uncircumcision of your flesh. Has he quickened, made alive, together with him? How? Having forgiven all. All. What is all? <laughs> what is all? Past, present. Please get this. When Jesus died, all your sins were? All your sins were? So Jesus could not have died for your past sins only. Because your past sins was in future. So your sins were in, was in future past, future present, and future future. So if Jesus died for your sins, he died for? Oh. Someone says, this is hard truth. No. It's your mind that is telling you that. This is God's plan. It's not hard truth. Praise God. Having what? Forgiven. Look at the thing. Listen, when you're reading the Bible, consider grammar. If not, just grammatical expressions can deny you of your inheritance in Christ. Do you know? It's not a demon, no. You know, sometimes we, we attribute everything to demons. Sometimes grammar can be your demon. Oh, I'm serious. So that you'll be thinking God is coming to do something he has already done. Having what? Forgiven you all trespasses. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Number two, we said Jesus removed our sins. We've given you scriptures, so go and get the message. Number three, Jesus buried our sins. When Christ went to hell, he went to hell with our sins. When he was raised, he was raised without our sins. Where are your sins? Where are your sins? Are you in hell? Where are you? Seated with Christ. The Bible calls Jesus, Jesus the righteous. It calls him Jesus the righteous. So if Jesus is the righteous, who are you? The righteous. Isaac Lapapo, the righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Number four, he forgot your sins. Hebrews 10, verse 17, he says, And your iniquities and your lawless deeds, or iniquities, will I remember how many times? No more. No more means? No more. Not now, not ever. Number, number um, five, he does not count our sins against us. Can a believer sin in the New Testament? Yes. What happens? God does not count it against him. Second Corinthians 5, the verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing. The word imputing is an accounting word used in Greek, logizomai. Logizomai, from which we have logarithm or log. So it's a mathematical and accounting um, um, term telling you that when you sin the New Testament, because Jesus was in Jesus, uh, God imputed our sins to Jesus, God does not impute your sins to you. It means God does not log it, He does not take inventory, He does not take account, He does not record your sins. So in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you could see that all those in the hall of faith, Abel, Moses, 
Can you imagine Moses killed a man? And he ran. When the New Testament was explaining that reality, it says something different. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, the verse um, 23. Now look. He says, but by faith, Moses, when he was born, was three months of his parents. Because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. The Bible says they were actually afraid of the king's commandment. New Testament says they were not afraid. Look at By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Look at the next one. Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He called the things in Israel pleasures of sin. Look at this one. This is the bomb. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Look. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, the verse 27, he forsook Egypt. Why did Moses run? Because he killed the verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The Old Testament says he ran. New Testament says he forsook. <laughs> what? You can read out the book of Hebrews 11. The Bible mentions Psalm, something as part of the hall of faith. Look at this guy. Something. You know what baffled the whole situation? Rahab. The Bible says, by faith, Rahab. By faith, Rahab. So what does God count? He counts faith, not works. So in the New Testament, God does not record sins. He records faith. So all these guys had a problem. Can you imagine Abraham lied that Sarah was a sister? It was not recorded here. The Bible says by faith. Do you know Abraham even denied? Abraham disbelieved God when God said he was going to give him a son in the initial stages. Yet the Bible says by faith. And the Bible calls him father of faith. To our eyes, he doesn't deserve it. So you see, men count works. God counts faith. Now whatever I'm talking, it is respect to forgiveness and salvation. I'm not talking about the works of the believer after he has been saved. That's a different topic. So please get the context of our teaching. Hallelujah. So we also said number um, six, Jesus was punished for our sins. You hear people saying, when you sin, God will definitely find a way of paying you back. Where do we get our teaching from? When you sin, God is going to punish you. It's not New Testamental. I know you don't want people to sin, but you can't say that to people. Especially the church. Even the world, he says, does not impute their trespasses to them. How much more the church? Do you know, we are going to get to a place. It's so amazing that the Bible didn't even say, for you to receive Christ, confess your sins. He says, if you shall believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess that Christ is Lord. You confess his lordship. You don't even confess your sins to be saved. You didn't get what I'm saying? Thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. Why? Because he dealt with your sins. So in the New Testament, New Testament confession is confession of Christ. 
We are going to get there. I'm just going a little bit ahead of myself to help some people. Some Thomases in the house. And like I said, I've been studying this for the past eight years. So I'm not a novice. Whatever I'm saying, I have studied it. I know it. I can preach it without a book. I'm preaching with books because I want to make it orderly for you. Are you getting this? So this is something we have, we have fellowship with for years. Praise God. So the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. So if Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, will God wound you for your transgressions? No, that's double jeopardy. He was bruised for iniquities. Will God bruise you for iniquities? No. But does sin have earthly consequences? Yes. Is it God? No. When you steal and you are caught and they, they are beating you, was God the one who sent the people? No, the property you stole didn't belong to God. No, so who is beating you? God? No, who? Man. So when you do evil on this earth, man will do with you. The law will do with you. But before you and God, before you and your salvation, it cannot affect you. Now, religious people, you know, their antenna just is like this. Relax. It is true. And your own belief cannot change it. You know, some of this teaching, you see, nobody can boast in the house, including me. Because the message of Christ puts all men on equal grounds. Anyone who does more good cannot boast in his goodness. And anybody who does more bad cannot have self-pity in his bad. There's only wrong grounds. Faith in Christ. There's no boasting. You realize in other churches, you know, you, you, know what? you don't find some things going on here. When people are preaching, he said, stare them! You can't say that here. them man of God truth truth Bonnie tell them man of God and people will shout I will walk I will walk I will walk you know why because that week he did not sin that's why he's saying I will walk the day he sins he will also be quiet like them So you can't find those things here. Because when we are teaching, we are telling you what Christ has done for all. And now all are benefiting, irrespective of their works. This is why it's called grace. You can't merit it. I can't merit it. Even me as a pastor, I can't merit it. I'll have to benefit from it. So there's no monopoly where pastor feels he's the most righteous person in the church. And the members see him as the Jesus Christ of our generation. Ghana Jesus. Yet in his little chambers, if God should open your eyes, you won't come to church again. But you see, it's unfortunate that, you see, the problem of, uh, the, the, the thing has, that has got to do with sin is that people measure sins. We see great sins, small sins. Fornication, hey, great. Lie to your boss. Oh, it's normal. Hey, 
Before God, there's no normal and abnormal sin. So, everything is. So, this is what religious people. So, they say, oh, for us, it's just not. You know, self righteousness in itself is a sin. When you think you are the most righteous than everybody, you are sinning. I'm telling you. Thank you for that look. Number seven, he cleansed us and washed us from all our sins. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus, you're awesome. I love you. He cleansed us from all our sins. The believer is washed. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says, he who loved us and washed us in his blood. Look. He loved us and washed us from our sins. So that believer is clean. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Now look at this. Now this was a Corinthian church. Paul called them canal. Where others among you envy. These guys were full of envy. Strife, contention, division. To an extent that somebody in that church was sleeping with a stepmother. Yet Paul did not allow his temper to affect his message. That is why as a man of God, if, you're, if a man of God is listening to me, you, you don't preach message with emotions. Because sometimes you hear some things that members have done. There is a temptation to preach with them. There's a high temptation to do that. But the moment you do that, you are no longer a minister of Christ. You are serving yourself. Praise God. Imagine a sick person comes to a doctor and the doctor says, hey, this sickness is too much. Go. Why are you brought here? So you need to be careful so you don't get emotional. Look, he says, look at this Corinthian church. In fact, he started his epistle by telling them something. Uh, let's come to uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. I've told the background of the Corinthian church. All kinds of things. Look, he says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are what? He had to start by telling them how sanctified they are before he told them that the wrong they were doing. Do you know how he even dealt with their mistakes? You know how he dealt with their mistakes? You will find Paul always saying, do you not know? So he, he dealt with their mistakes with knowledge. He did not deal with them by threatening them with hell like many people do today. He dealt with them by saying, do you not know that your body, do you not know that you are righteous. Do you not know? So Paul is always dealing with the same problem of people with knowledge. That means knowledge is one of the, is the cure to sin. Because Jesus dealt with the same problem. And men must know how he dealt with it that they can live by it. So he says, them that are sanctified in Christ. He, you see, everything Christ accomplished is in him. You cannot find it outside him. So he says they are sanctified in Christ. You, you cannot be sanctified in yourself. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look, he says, oh, and such were some of you. What was he saying before then? Let's come to the verse 9. Look, he says, know ye not that the unrighteous, are you unrighteous? He says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Huh? He says, nor thieves. Can a Christian steal? Yes. But look, he says, no thieves, no covetous, no drunkards. Can a Christian be a drunkard? Yes. He says, no revilers, no extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You don't stop here. Because if you stop here, it means Christians who do that are not going to heaven. 
So, the next verse is always good to read in context. Look at the next verse. Look at Paul. He says, and such were, where, where? Such were some of you. Such were some of you. In other words, those who were doing that, he says, such were. That means that's not your life. Look at how he describes them. But ye, the one in the process, or the one about to do the process, he says, ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in yourself, right? In the name of our Lord. What is name? Reputation or finished work. What he did is his reputation. He says, you are Justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word end is what? It's, it's not always end. Separating two words. Most of the time it's also um, that is. Actually explaining the word. He says, sanctified, washed, justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is by? So the spirit of God in you is what? Sanctification. Is what? Washing. Is what? Justification. I love the word. Glory. Good. So, last week we began to look at divine realities of what? Forgiveness. We said number one, forgiveness is in a person. It is a gift and it's a message we preach. Very, very important thing to note about forgiveness. Forgiveness is in a person. It's a gift. It's a person. And the message we preach. When we are preaching the gospel, we are preaching forgiveness. The message of Christ is forgiveness. When a man receives Christ, he has received what? Forgiveness. It's a possession. We have it. Ephesians chapter 1, the verse 7. He says, in whom we have. In whom we have what? Redemption. Now we got to know that redemption is actually a person. 1 Corinthians 1.30. He says, in whom we have redemption. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him ye are in who? It is, or is it from you or of you? It's of who? Him, God, that you are in Christ. Who of God has been made unto us what? Wisdom and righteousness. So he's telling you wisdom is a person. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.24, he says Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. So wisdom is a person. So he says wisdom, righteousness, righteousness is a person. It's not what you do, it's who you are in Christ. He says and sanctification. So sanctification is a person. Praise God. How is it a person? The Bible says God blessed the Sabbath day and made it sanctified. So someone be thinking, why did God sanctify a day? Telling you that holiness is not an act. Holiness is a person. It's a state. It's a person. The Sabbath day is Christ. What is the seven day? Seven day means what? Rest day. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. So what is Sabbath day? Christ. What is seven day? What is Sabbath day? What is seven day? What is Sabbath day? Seven day and Sabbath day are one. So if seven day is Christ, Sabbath day is Christ. So the Bible says, and God blessed the Sabbath day. Put Christ there. And God blessed Christ and made him sanctified. So sanctification is in Christ. Blessing is in Christ. When we come to Jesus or when we are in Christ, we receive blessing and we receive sanctification. I'm sanctified. 
Glory to God. And redemption. So, is the question about redemption a who or a what? Is a who because redemption is a person. Who is redemption? Christ. Now, let's come back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Now, in whom we have redemption. Who is redemption? Christ. So now, let's put Christ there. In whom we have through there, remove through his blood from there. Let's go and put Christ in redemption. In whom we have huh? who is Christ? Who is Christ? When a man receives Christ, he receives Acts 26, the verse 18. To open their eyes. This was God giving Paul his assignment. To open the eyes of the Gentiles and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by their works by faith that is in who? Me, Jesus. So forgiveness is a gift. It's a person. Eternal life is a gift. We receive. Forgiveness is a gift. We receive. Redemption is a gift. We receive. In whom we have. He didn't say you will have. He says you have. It means the present and reality. So if a believer is coming to God, God, give me forgiveness. God is saying, where am I going to get it from? Because you have. I've never, I hardly hear teachings like this in Africa. Because we have Africa gospel. That gospel cannot travel beyond the borders of Africa. We don't preach African gospel. We preach Christ's gospel. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hmm. We also said forgiveness is once and eternal. Now, we explained uh, last week that the New Testament contains details of things that are done how many times? Once and eternally. The New Testament contains details of things that are done what? Once and eternally. So, if you read the book of Hebrews, he says he offered himself how many times? Once. Hebrews chapter 9, the verse 12. He says, Nine by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered how many times? Once. Come to the verse 26. 24 first. 24. Look, Christ also is entered not in the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but now to appear in the presence of God for us. Look at the verse 26. He says, as is appointed, okay, for then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once in the end of the world. Hebrews chapter 10, the verse 10. He says, by which will we are what? Sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus. How many times? Once. Forgiveness is once. Once, 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 once. Look at the verse 11. He says, and every high priest standard daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So the offering of bulls and goats can never take away sins. He only covered sins. Look at the next verse. He says, but this man, but this man, after he had offered how many sacrifices? One sacrifice. 
if a believer is always coming to God daily begging, you are saying the blood of Jesus is just like the blood of bulls and goats. Look, he says one sacrifice for sins. He did what? Sat down. In the Old Testament tabernacle and temple, there was no chair. So the priest never sat. Why? God was telling man the sacrifice for sins is not yet over. So there was no chair. They were always standing. That means you are always busy. That means sin was never over. The Bible says when Jesus offered himself how many times? Once. He did what? Sat. Telling us he's done. And whatever is once in the New Testament is eternal. Hebrews 9.12. He says having obtained. Having obtained. Hebrews 9.12. Look, neither by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, he entered how many times? Once in the holy place. Having what? Now, look at that. Having obtained. Having obtained what? What is redemption? Which is? The forgiveness of sins. So put forgiveness of sins there. Having obtained eternal forgiveness of sins. Look, he says having obtained. That means your begging did not obtain it. Having obtained. Jesus obtained it. Where are you? In Christ. So if you are in Christ, you have obtained what he obtained. So simple. I have forgiveness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Good. So we're looking at number three. Number three. Forgiveness is an expression of God's grace and love. Forgiveness is an expression of God's grace and love. Please make these notes. Go and study them for yourself. You need to study these things for yourself. Don't just take me for my word. Study it for yourself. Number three, we said forgiveness is an expression of God's grace and love. What am I saying? I'm simply telling you, forgiveness is not merited by any means than the grace and love of God. It's a benefit. It's not merit. It's benefit, not merit. Good. Now, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Now, normally we, you hear people say, let us share the grace. Let us share the grace. Okay, let's share it. We want to share the grace right now, okay? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the verse 14. Can we share the grace? One, two, go. We even had may. May. What did he say? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. And the love of God. You let's manage with the end. We'll come there. And the love of God. Uh-huh. And the... Uh-huh. Do you see the B? Has me what? Bracketed. That means what? It was not the original, so translators put it there. Let's read without the B. Okay? One to go. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost with... It was not a prayer. It was not a prayer. Please notice. It's a reality. 
So Paul was not praying for them that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you. May the grace. Let's say the grace. May the grace. It looks so spiritual. May the grace. Then we all hold our hands. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the flesh of the Holy Spirit be with us once and forever. This is not prayer. This is reality. He's saying the grace of our Lord Jesus. In other words, all what I wrote, this is the salvation. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. Then he added, Amen. In fact, even Amen itself is a person. So I don't know if I can shock you because me myself, I don't know where it is. Okay, let's go to Revelation 3, verse 14. I was surprised. Normally we say, Amen. Amen means may it come to pass. Okay, let's see. Look, he says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith, These things saith, Who is Amen? When you say amen, who are you calling? Who are you mentioning? He said, say the what? Amen. Number two, the faithful. He is also the faithful. And true witness, the beginning of the creation. Look at the list. Say the amen. So when he says amen, he's saying Christ is the one who made it possible. So come to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. Christ made it possible. That's the amen. (laughs) Christ made it possible. So he's the amen. That is why the Bible says the promises of God are him. Yea and amen. Fulfilled. That's the main word amen. Fulfilled. It is done in Christ. His promises are yes and fulfilled in Christ. That's amen. Christ is my amen. So you can worship your amen. So people say amen as ritual. Actually, amen is a pressing. Say the amen. He's my amen. Glory. So now, that's not the, the message. This was the teaser. Look, he says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know something, when you read, it makes it look like three different things. Right? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the Holy Ghost. Be with you all. Now we said the word and is not always differentiating two things. It's what? Explaining one thing. Except a man be born of water, which is, or that is, or even the spirit. So we're saying that the water is the spirit. It's not like you have to be born with water, later you have to be born by spirit. No. A man is born of the spirit. Now look. Now let's put that is there. Okay? Can we read together? So anywhere you see N, you put that is. Okay? One, two, go. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is the love of God, that is the communion of the Holy Ghost with you all. What is the grace of God? The love of God. What is the love of God? The communion of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? What is he telling you? The Holy Spirit in you is what? The grace of God and the love of God. That is why in Romans chapter 5, the verse 5, the Bible said, 
the love of God has been shed abroad into our heart by, by, by the Holy Ghost. What? Look, which is given to us. So the Holy Ghost given to us is what? The love of God. So it's not that the Holy Ghost was separate and he was pouring God's love. Gee, <laughs> He's pouring it like water. No. Who is Namedo? The Holy Ghost is Namedo. The Holy Ghost is God's love. So he's seeing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't understand the grace of our Lord Jesus, it's what? The love of God. What is he saying? How are we saved? God loved us. How, how did he demonstrate his love? He sent Jesus, God's grace. And through Jesus, demonstrating God's love, he transmitted to us the Holy Ghost. So there are all three things. They are not separate things. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is the love of God. God's grace is love. And that love is seen in communion of the Holy Ghost, which is with you all. What is another name for grace of God? The love of God. What is another name for the love of God? The communion of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. Spirit. That is the love of God. That is the grace of God. So when someone says, I have grace, it means I have what? The love of God. If someone says, I have the love of God, it means I have what? The communion of the Holy Ghost. So if you enjoy your communion with Christ is God's grace and love. The grace you enjoy in Christ is God's love and communion. That is why there is not, you know, you hear some statement like, you can break fellowship, but you cannot break relationship with God. You know, we learned that in SU. You can break fellowship with God, but you can't break relationship. Because relationship there is father and son. But fellowship there, you can break it. He called it communion of the Holy Ghost with you all. With you. It is it, with you. First Corinthians 1 9. Look, he says, God is faithful. Question Who is faithful? Who is faithful? Please, who is faithful? Did he mention you there? Who is faithful? Please, one more time. Who is faithful? By whom? By who? Whom? By who? By who? By who? By who? Oh, no, you're not making a thing, John. Why are you looking at my face? I said, whom? You say, whom? By who? By who? By who? Fabit's count. By who? By who? By who? By who? I love it. Whom? He says, by whom ye were called. Did you call yourself? He says, you were called unto the fellowship of his son. Whose faithfulness made you come into fellowship? Whose faithfulness called you? So can your unfaithfulness uncall you? Can your unfaithfulness disassociate you from fellowship? Thank you, Jesus. So, 
Forgiveness is an expression of what? Love and grace. Now, let's explain it further. I said that to make a point. Now, we said in Ephesians chapter 1, the verse 7. Now, look, take a critical look at it again. We're going to examine it now. Look, he says, in whom we have what? Redemption through his blood there, forgiveness of sins. Now, look, he didn't finish. He says, according to what? The riches of your confession. According to the riches of? What is his grace? His love. What is his love? The communion of the spirit. So, his grace and love has been communicated in the communion of the Holy Ghost. Hey, Alamoshe. Please, it's very simple. Don't complicate it. Very simple. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood there, forgiveness of sins according to. So he's telling you the forgiveness of sins is in accordance to his grace. Nothing about begging, nothing about crying, nothing about rowing. Can you do all these things if you want to? Can he give me forgiveness? Never. Not now, not in the future. Because when it came to forgiveness, God did not do it by you. He did it through Jesus and Jesus gave it to you. Always remember, God does not react to your sins when you confess. He proacted in Christ. Even mothers know their babies who poo-poo, so they buy diapers before they are born. Imagine if a baby poo-poo, the mama says, hey, 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 go and buy diapers for me. That mother is not prudent. Except maybe there was an emergency, she lost, but no mother will even carry things without diaper. Because he knows definitely the baby will poo-poo. So he makes wipes available. He makes diapers available. At least if I don't know, my wife has made me know. So even if a mother can proact, so a mother's proact, and you say God reacts, so God was there. When you see God angry, he said, God, I beg. And God says, you beg. You are not begging. Bakusro. Fiorako! Next time. God doesn't do that. Humans do that. God doesn't do that. You see, I'm giving you a bigger picture of who God is. So, you remove God out of the box you have put him in. He's not there. So, he proacted. So, your forgiveness was accomplished 2,000 years ago. It's a reality in the resurrection of Jesus. So, as far as Jesus is alive, I am forgiving. I will only lose my forgiveness if Jesus should die again. Colossians 2.13, don't forget. By his raising from the dead, you are forgiven. So you only lose it if Jesus should die again and cannot rise up from the dead. So always remember, if Christ is alive, you are forgiven. All trespasses. 
Listen, this message destroys hypocrisy. This is the message that will make us know whether you wanted to seem proper or not. Because now you know it is not your begging that brings forgiveness. Let's see if you want to be serious with God's word. Let's see if you want to grow spiritually. Let's see if you are not enjoying it. Let's see if you want to be a master of committing adultery. Let's see because you are not forgiven. You see, grace exposes you. I'm telling you. Exposes you. You know, there are many husbands today who don't cheat on their wives. Why? Because they are scared of going to hell. Now, let's remove the hell tag from there. And say, there's nothing wrong. You won't go to hell. Let's see faithful men who really love their wives. It's simple. No, I hope you are getting this. This is very, very important. So, the, the reason why some people are doing certain things or not doing certain things is because of something. Boom, Samja. Heat. When they remember, they remember the heat. Not me, Kaya. Not me, Chai. That's your motivation. It won't last. That motivation won't, it won't last. I told you, preaching hell messages don't change anybody. They only change in fear. For how long? Three days. They resurrect back into it. I told you in a church, the day they showed the movie on hell, that day they stole someone's handbag. It has not been stolen before. <laughs> the day the hell was preached, that day they stole someone's handbag. They said, anybody said, I mean, <laughs> so you know your Christians they hear a message they are motivated by fear they come back up God I've come to my senses I realize that I've been a very foolish boy Lord this will not happen again Lord it's motivation by fear they fast, they pray. 31st December, Lord, this next year, eh, to happen. God is watching. 1st January, la la, caraba. 3rd January, tutukata. 14th January, rainy, rainy. 30th <laughs> uh, January, aquatiatia. <laughs> I'm on fire. I'm still on it. Bye. Oh. You're happy? God, I told you I'm on course. Watch me do my thing. 14 February. Lord, where are you? First is my Lord as I came last year. I'm here again. <laughs> you know, people deceive themselves this way. So every year and every year, there is no true transformation. That's why we are teaching this. Because people have been pretending before God every time. 
Lord, I'm sorry. They are not sorry. Lord, it won't happen again. It will happen again. So it's all about pretense. They don't actually want transformation. They want God to bear with them. God bore, God bore with you in Christ. Whatever he wants you to know, he, he did it in Christ. So receive what Christ has done. Let that be the empowerment of the expression of the life of God through you. Forgiveness is an act of God's grace. Ephesians 1 7, he says, In whom we have forgiveness through his blood, the forgiveness of sins are gone into the riches of his grace. Look at the next verse, the verse 8. Look, 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 the verse 8. Wherein, wherein he had abounded, perishio, that means to superabound or to increase. He has caused to superabound toward us. In all wisdom. What is wisdom? Sophia. Which is what? Spiritual intelligence. Or supreme intelligence. That means God calculated it before he did it. In other words, when you are begging God, you are saying God is not smart enough. He's not wise enough. He's not intelligent. Look, and prudence. Phronesis. It was carefully calculated. Carefully calculated. I'm forgiving according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has made to abound in all what? Wisdom and prudence. Thank you, Jesus. I have it. I have it. It's, it's an expression of God's love. Listen, if you want to know God's love, it's forgiveness. It's, it's God's forgiveness. It's righteousness. Because you don't merit any of these things. Are you following this? You didn't merit any of these things. It was a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. It's not what you ask to receive. It's what you believe to receive. When you believe Jesus, you have it. Where is forgiveness? It's right within you. It's the person of Jesus. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a walking forgiveness. I'm a breathing forgiveness. I'm a moving forgiveness. If you see me, you have seen forgiveness is walking. That is why we can also forgive. You know why? Because we are carriers of forgiveness. So why must you know you are forgiving? The Bible says, even as Christ forgave you, past tense, you also forgive. Do you remember Daniel chapter 9? The verse 24. He used a very strong term there. Look at this. <laughs> he said, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to do what? Finished transgression. What did Jesus do? He finished transgression. And to make what? An end of sins. By the sacrifice of himself. And to make what? Reconciliation of iniquity. Daniel used very strong term. Very, very strong. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. So the believer's righteousness is everlasting. There is not something some young boys are now preaching. Daniel prophesied it. Moses prophesied. Ezekiel prophesied. Isaiah prophesied. They all prophesied these things. Look. How many weeks? 70 weeks. Daniel gave a prophetic word concerning the time Christ was going to come. He calculated it as 70 weeks. What is 70 weeks? 70 times 7. 70 weeks is 70 times 7. He said in a 70 weeks, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? He will forgive. How did he do that? Through his death, burial, resurrection. Now, Daniel was given a date 
He says in that day, that time, that was the time Christ was going to come. He's going to die. He's going to be raised from the dead. What is the weeks? 70 weeks. What is 70 weeks? 70 times 7. Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. And he asked, they asked him, how many times should we forgive? You know what Jesus said? 70 times 7. Now, somebody will think that Jesus was just quoting. So someone says, 490. So does, does, it, does it mean I must forgive people 490 times? <laughs> how many weeks to forgive? 70 times 7. They ask him, how many times should I forgive my brother? Jesus says 70 times 7. He's telling you, as I forgive you, forgive. That is 70 times 7. <laughs> In 490 years, he will come die, forgive you. 70 times 7. They asked, how many times should I forgive? Jesus reminded them, 70 times 7. He said, what will he do in 70 times 7? He what? Finish transgression. So as I finish your transgression, finish others. As I made reconciliation of iniquities, reconcile with people and forgive them. As I forgive you, as I did this work, do it. Now, Jesus spoke in parables with this date, saying 70 times 7. Paul went straight by saying, we forgive because we have been forgiven. So in the Old Testament, they spoke mysteries. In the New Testament, we have plainness of speech. 70 times 7 is as Christ died and forgive you, you also forgive. He was not saying calculate, multiply it. And forgive people 490 times in a day. No, it was prophetic. <laughs> oh, hello, Shandalaya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. Say, I'm forgiven. Come on, shout, I'm forgiven. I'm a forgiven being in Christ. What is forgiveness? Salvation. Are you saved? If you are saved, you are forgiven. Listen, what is forgiveness is an expression of God's love and grace. Did you merit God's grace? Did you ask Jesus to come and die for you? Did you beg God to come and do what he did for you in Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave. What made God give his son? Love. So listen to this thing carefully. There are people who think when they do good, God's love goes back. It goes, come forward. When they do bad, his love will go back again. So God goes and come. His love is in and out. No. God so loved the world that he gave. Now, when the Bible says God so loved, were there righteous people? When God so loved the world, were there, were there new creations? When God so loved the world, who were men? Sinners. So he loved sinners. Die for them. Now that you are in Christ, can his love live? And the Bible says love does not keep records of wrongs. Does God keep record of your wrongs? So, is forgiveness an act of merit or a benefit? What do you do to benefit? End of year benefit. How do you receive it? By receiving and enjoying. Do you work for benefit? Do you see that a separated salary from benefit? End of year benefit means you did not work for it. Benefit is something you don't work for. You enjoy. Following this, are you sure it's moving? 
Psalm 103, verse 2. Look, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He says, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not. That means a believer can forget God's benefits for him. He says, forget not all. That means there are many benefits. There are many benefits. He says, forget not all his benefits. Now, he explained the benefits. Do you work for benefits? Look at the next verse. He says, who forgiveth, what? All thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy disease. What is forgiveness? Huh? In the scripture we read, what is forgiveness? It's a benefit. What do you do to benefit? You enjoy. I hope these things are sinking. Mm. Good. So we said the word grace, uh, you find the word grace used two, uh, twice in uh, two different Greeks. Aphesus and charizomai. So the word charizomai is the word from which we have the word charis. Charis is grace. It's grace. What is grace? Divine influence. So we have forgiveness as God's influence. God influenced it. We didn't merit it. Our begging does not bring forgiveness. His finished work revealed it. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Come on. I'm forgiven. So listen, anytime you see the love of God in the New Testament, it's not a promise. God's love is not a promise. God's love is always a fact in the New Testament. In fact, it's always used in the past, past tense. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. God will not love you. God has loved you. Do you understand what I said? God has loved you. Look, he says, and from Jesus, who is a faithful witness. So Jesus is faithful. And the first begotten of the dead, that means the first to be born again from a spiritual death. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that... Unto him that, unto him that loved us, that is washed from our sins. So, what is the washing and cleansing us from our sins? An act of love. So, God's love cannot change because it's always used in the past tense. It can't change. So, God's love is not a promise. So, if God loved you, he can't, he cannot say, I will love you or I will not love you. No, he has loved you. So, your actions don't change his love. Whether good or bad, his love is constantly constant. Undefeatable benevolence. Unconquerable goodwill. Unconditional. Man's love can be conditional. God's love is unconditional. Actions don't change his love. He still loves me in the death. He still loves me in the mud. He still loves me in the married clay. He still loves me. He loves me in the club. He loves me in the grave. He loves me wherever I am. He loves me. Tell someone he loves me. Religious people don't want people to know God loves them. But God loves them. What if the guy was smoking? God loves him. Do you know amazingly, uh, you, you don't go and preach the gospel and tell us stop smoking, smoking and be saved. Do you say that? You can't say that because that's not salvation. What's the message we give to a, a weed smoker? Which is what? Christ died for you. What's the message you give to a prostitute? You don't tell a prostitute, stop what you are doing. You will go to hell. Oh. It's a consent, but it's not gospel. That consent does not save. 
God so loved that he gave. Whosoever believed, he didn't say whosoever stops what he's doing. So, salvation is not about behavior. It's about your Savior. It's about your faith in your Savior. As you believe in the Savior, teachings will bring you out of that behavior. But people can go to heaven with bad behavior. Please get this. People can go to heaven with bad behavior. Now, people will crucify me for this. It's the truth of the gospel. If you have believed Jesus, every reality in redemption is for you, irrespective of your behavior. Though God does not like your behavior, he's, he's committed as a husband to be faithful. Listen, salvation is marriage. Salvation is marriage. Marriage says till death do us part. But Jesus says my death made you part. Salvation is marriage. In Genesis, Adam and Eve, he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. When you are born again, your behavior might not be right. But because of the righteousness of your Savior, he is bound with you in marriage. Listen, salvation is marriage. And God says, I hate divorce. So Jesus is not divorcing you. You know, you hear people saying, right now, I won't even go to church again. The place you must go to even be encouraged. Look at what they are doing. Even God is ashamed. Hey, you are ashamed though. Listen, can I tell you something? Do you know, even if my wife has a problem, you cannot, you cannot come and insult my, my wife before me. You feel sorry. Listen, I don't, think he, I don't take information from the public about my wife. Even me. No, you can't say anything bad about my wife. Maybe you say it outside. <laughs> oh, no, God. I don't like what your wife is. You must like her. <laughs> you must like. And you will like. <laughs> oh, no, you can't give bad information about my wife to me, even if it is true. No acceptance. She's my wife. No, I, I paid the bright price. So even me, how much more God? You know the bright price? The finished work of Christ. He died. His blood is the price. For you are bought at the price. So, the, you see, the marriage arrangement, the bright price was paid by the sacrifice of Christ. And Christ is now joined with you. The Bible says, and the two shall become one flesh. The Bible says we are members of his body, of his, of his uh, body, of his flesh and of his bones. We are one with Christ, inseparable. Irrespective of our action, we are inseparable. Hey! Forgive it. So my salvation in Christ is a marriage. That is what the Bible calls Jesus, the bride. He calls the church the, the bridegroom. Uh, sorry, he calls Jesus the groom. He calls the church the bride. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself. God does not take information on social media about his church. The Bible, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Hmm. Ephesians chapter 5, there's a glory. glory. Ephesians 5, um, let's see the verse 26. Now look. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now look. 
He says that he might present it to himself. Who is he presenting it to? Himself, eh? Eh? Does it look like the church is glorious? It doesn't look like it. But Jesus is saying he's going to present the church to himself. A glorious church. That means beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder. He will present it to himself. He says, these thinking people, I like them. Because I paid. These people, these filthy church members, you called the, the, the bride of Christ. Ah, is he your bride? Ah, it be your bride. Ask someone, it be your bride. What be your problem? He will present it to himself. Eh? A glorious church. So, what you see as glory is your own definition. To him, he says he will present it to himself, a glorious church. Look, this one is too much. He says, not having or hey, what is spots? Scars, mark. What is wrinkle? Old age. No matter what the church does, the church will present it fresh. As a fresh bride to Christ. Religion cannot accept this. No, 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 no. But Jesus is happy when he hears this message preached about his children. Jesus is rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing because men are seeing themselves in their union with their groom, Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's my salvation in Christ. I'm forgiven. That's my reality.
First John chapter 2, the verse 1. You know, sometimes when we say this, you know, love, the people who hear us and they get offended. Well, the preaching of the cross to some are not good news, but we don't care. I don't care who is angry with this message. I don't care who listened to this message somewhere on YouTube or somewhere and won't be happy. Listen, I'm not pleasing any man. If I please men, I'm not a servant of Christ. We preach the full counsel of God revealed in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is our message. Look, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. That means a believer can sin. Look at what he says. If any man sin, that means the man in Christ can sin. He says when any man sin, what happens? He says what? We have an who is an advocate? A counsel for defense. Best put a lawyer. What is this lawyer doing? He says with the father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Look at the next verse. He says, and he is the propitiation. He lasts go by for our sins. Not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That is why we say nobody goes to hell because of his sins. A man goes to hell because he rejected the work of Jesus Christ. Look. He says, not only to us, but to the world. So even the world has forgiveness. Even the world. They must receive it. It's an act of God's love. Praise Jesus. Let's take four scriptures that we're done. I said four. John 17, 23. We're just going to read it. Look. He says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Perfect in one. How would that perfection become possible? I in them. And what? They in me. I in them and thou in me that they may be what? Perfect in one. That the one may know that thou hast sent me and has and has loved them as thou hast. No, if you, this scripture should end all argument. He says, thou hast loved them even as thou hast loved so, the love God has for Jesus is the love he has for you. You didn't get this. You didn't get this. The love God has for Jesus is the love God has for you. What God cannot do to Jesus because of his love for Jesus, he can't do to me because of his love for Jesus. As as thou hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. Listen, can this scripture or these scriptures be your meditation for this week? Can you think on this? He has loved me as he has loved Jesus. So the measure of God's love for me is the measure he has for Jesus. Hey! Hmm. 26, no, 24, 24. 24. Quickly, quickly, quickly. 
Look, he says, Father, I would that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. How did God love Jesus? Before the foundation of? And he says the love he has for Jesus, he has for? How did God love you? Before the foundations of the world. Hey! 26. Look. Look at 26. He says, I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So Christ in you is the love of God. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. If you're there, you say glory. Now look, he says, who shall separate us? Who? Who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's asking the question, who? He says, shall tribulation, shall distress. Give it to me and amplify. Let me amplify you guys before we go. Look, a bore. I should take it easy. All right, let's go. Look. He said, who shall separate us from Christ's love? Shall sufferings, affliction, or tribulation, or calamity, or distress, or persecution, or anger, or destitution, or peril, or sword. Look at the verse, next verse. No, go back to the 35. Give it to me in amplified version. Uh, uh, message. Message. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. <laughs> when I saw this, I said, ha, ha, ha. He said, who can drive a wedge? Who can say? Even the devil can. Who can say because of what they have done? God, change your love. He says, who? Nothing. Nothing. Look at the verse 37. He says, they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We are sitting ducks. They pick us one by one. Next verse. He says, none of this faces us because Jesus loves us. Look at the next verse. The verse 38. I am absolutely convinced that nothing Nothing living or dead. Angelic or demonic. Today or tomorrow. Next verse. <laughs> High or low. Thinkable or unthinkable. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. Because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Hey! Moshaya, kaya, 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 kaya. He loves me. Galatians 2.20 KJV I love the word man Some of you should appreciate all this time we are spending with you Because you come to church only once in a week So enjoy I'm crucified with Christ Nevertheless I live Yet not I But Christ liveth in me Who lives in you? Who lives in you? My mother told me that I was born from a shrine I am not born again. What am I? 
You are the idol of Christ. <laughs> the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith. The word faith there is faithfulness. Of the son of God. His faithfulness makes this possible. Who loved? Who will? Who loved me and did what? Gave himself for me. You hear believers saying, I gave my life to Christ six years ago. You can't give your life. He says you are crucified. There's no life to give. The Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sins. So how did you raise that life? To give to him. We don't give our life to Christ in salvation. He gives his, his life to us in salvation. Who loved me and gave? So does it mean we don't give our life to Christ at all? We give our lives to Christ after salvation. 2 Corinthians 8.5 Look. Good. He says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. This is talking to believers. So we don't give our life to Christ in salvation, but we give our life to Christ after salvation. That is full commitment to his work. Are you seeing that? Good, so he has loved us. Galatians 2.20 Who loved me and gave himself. He gave himself for me. Praise God. Ephesians 2.4 Another tantalizing verse of scripture. Now look, Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 4. He says, but God who is rich in mercy. A man is rich in mercy. For his what? Great. Great love. Wherein he loved us. Next verse. Look. He says, God who is rich in what? Mercy. By his great love wherein he has loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, had he quickened together with Christ. Look at the brackets. By grace are he saved. Now what did he say? God is rich in mercy and with great love. What is that great love? By grace are you saved. So what is forgiveness? It's an act of God's love and grace. Salvation is forgiveness. Are you following this? Alright, so Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. Ephesians 5 2. Look, he says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved. So you see, God's love for you is not a promise. If it's not a promise, you see, your action cannot change God's love. That's what I'm trying to say. He has loved you. And your salvation is an end of his love. Your salvation is a a product of his love. So if he loved you even when you were a sinner, now that you are in Christ, will he unlove you when you sin? No. Man of God, so should we go and sin? Did I say that? You said that. So people always conclude, you are forgiven past, present, future. So should we go and sin? Is that what I said? I didn't say that. So you don't read meanings, your own meaning in the gospel. That's how we corrupt the beauty of Christ. So Christ has loved us. Two more, then we are out. Ephesians 5, the verse 25. So look at the verse 25. Look, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and did what? Gave himself. Will God love you? Will God love you? God has loved you. If God, if forgiveness is an act of love, will God forgive you? God has. 
Last scripture. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. <laughs> You're not excited. I'm excited. I understand. <laughs> it's good. Hey, 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 hey. hey. I'm going to help you today. <laughs> now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, himself, that is God, even our Father, which has loved us, and has given us everlasting consolation. Salvation is God's consolation for you. That's what he's saying. When a man is saved, he has been consoled. What Adam did to you without your fault, God says, take my consolation. And when Adam, see, all the mistakes Adam did, you inherited, it was not your fault. So God was like, ah, you know how I'm going to console you? I give you salvation. He calls that salvation everlasting consolation. So when a man is born again, God has consoled him by giving him salvation. That's what he's saying. That salvation is a good hope through grace. I told you that hope is not future hope. Christian hope is not futuristic. I hope it will not rain. I hope it will rain. That's human hope. The word hope actually means assurance. We know. We know. So the Christian has been consoled with salvation. It's everlasting. It's everlasting consolation. Enjoy this. So enjoy it. I'm consoling you. Enjoy it. Everlasting consolation. Tell somebody, I have everlasting consolation. What is everlasting consolation? Salvation. Or forgiveness. Or redemption. Or the indwelling of his spirit. Or his love. Or his grace. Or baptism. Or circumcision. Or in Christ. That's it. <laughs> it's the same. Or justification. Or sanctification. Or being washed. That's it. He has loved me. He has consoled me. What's the consolation? Forgiveness. What's the consolation? Salvation. I'm consoled with forgiveness. Hallelujah. Next week, I want to give you a teaser. We're going to number four. Number four, forgiveness is a blessing. We are going to understand what it means, Abraham's blessings. Abraham's blessings are mine. What is Abraham's blessing? Someone says, uh, riches, donkeys, cattle. Do you have one? Do you have one? Do you have a donkey? Then you don't have Abraham's blessing. Because God blessed, uh, 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 Abraham had riches in cattle. Do you have cattle? No, sir. In fact, <laughs> I'm dropping a bomb with clothes so that next week you come to church. Abraham himself did not enjoy Abraham's blessing. Full stop. Go and do homework. Abraham did not have Abraham's blessing. Abraham did not have Abraham's blessing. Can you imagine? Abraham's blessings are mine. The guy did not have it. 
Abraham have the, he had the promise of the blessing. 